Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. In each episode, we talk about a movie, we share some fun trivia facts about the film during the conversation. Please check for the latest episode of the podcast on Wednesdays. We don't do them every week, usually every other week or a couple times a month, but Wednesdays is when we release new episodes. Please like us at facebook.com slash screenfacts. Post your comments or questions. You can also email screenfacts at yahoo.com or tweet me at Jason Davis Voice for details about all the different ways to listen to the podcast, including accessing past episodes. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Well, joining me on the podcast this episode, my good pal, we haven't heard from him in a while, and I'm so psyched to have him back again. The Blazer, Brian Berkowitz. This would be where you put all the... uh... But anyway, it's me. I'm here. Welcome. I am wearing a tie as always. I know. You came straight from court again. Straight from court again. And and we should make sure that the listeners understand that it's because you're an attorney, not because you were in court for the wrong reason. Okay, that's your story? That's, yeah. (laughs) All right. It's true. It's true. But I'm glad to be here today. It works out well. I do a night court on occasional Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Pop down here. We record Screen Facts. It's great to have you back. Haven't seen you in a while, and it's always fun to get together. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. I was looking forward to it all day. So uh, I'm ready to rock if you're ready to rock. I'm ready to rock. Now, Blazer, we're going to talk about a movie that just turned 20 last year. This is a chick flick disguised as a dude's movie. You think? Sort of. I'm not sure if I agree with that. It's probably a, sort of a, an interesting movie for two guys to be talking about, though, right? It is, except, you know, you, know, you got to look at it, though. It's got sports. Mm-hmm. It's got some sex in it. Right. Um, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> really good. No, it's actually a really good movie. I don't know if I say chick flick. That being said, though, this might be the quintessential defining romantic comedy, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, how quotable it is and everything. Yeah. I mean, this this movie is a great movie and turned out 20 years later to be timeless because it fires on so many different levels. Absolutely. The movie that we're going to discuss today is Jerry Maguire, released December 13th, 1996, starring Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr., Renee Zellweger, Kelly Preston, Jerry O'Connell, and I believe this was the first time I had seen Jerry O'Connell since Stand By Me. Do you know why Jerry O'Connell is so special to me? No. Oh, that's very interesting. My wife pointed it out as I was driving over here. Jerry O'Connell was in one of my favorite TV shows ever. Can you tell me what it was? I want to say Sliders. He played Quinn Mallory in Sliders. And at the time, you know, that's one of those things I'm afraid to rewatch, like the way I can't watch The Dukes of Hazard anymore. <laughs> it's sli- the, I love time travel. That's my number one favorite thing. Sliders was it was basically interdimensional travel. And that was one of my favorite shows ever. And he was phenomenal in it. So I always forget he's in this movie. Yeah. And then you see him. It's like, Cush. Oh, awesome. It's Cush. And uh, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jay Moore as uh, Bob Sugar, he's phenomenal in this movie. I love Jay Moore in this movie. Bonnie Hunt. Now, I just want to say this. Mm -hmm. I think she's the best one in the whole movie. Bonnie Hunt? I didn't think I knew her from a hole in the wall before I saw this movie. Okay. I think that her performance was so stellar in this. Mm -hmm. It's very understated. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe I shouldn't say she's the best one, but she is phenomenal in this role. She went on my radar after this, and I watched it again in anticipation of uh, speaking with you today. Mm -hmm. 
I forgot how awesome she was and yeah. how important her lines are. Did we not to be jumping right into the facts, but That's did okay. they did they did we I read somewhere that they said her role was to be like the audience perspective. Okay. You know, the way to be that she was kinda I would say she was loving but judgmental and you kinda heard Well, she's a big sister looking out for her little sister. But I thought she said what was in a lot of people's inner monologues. Probably. I like when she first meets Jerry at the door and she says, I'm her uh, disapproving sister, Laurel. Yeah, yeah. That's it. He's like, oh, honesty. You know, right, he right. Her. I don't want to jump ahead too much. Let's okay. talk about her some more as we go on. But I just want to say it was my goal today to uh, give a shout out to how awesome she was in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because she had worked with Tom Cruise in Rain Man, but he didn't remember her. See, I didn't remember that either. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's been years since I've seen Rain Man, but I think she just had a very small role. I think she was like a waitress. Okay. And then when they go to the diner and he's counting the matchsticks, um, right. Dustin Hoffman. When she told Tom Cruise, oh, yeah, we worked together in Rain Man, he didn't believe her because he couldn't remember, which I think is pretty funny. I don't think I could tell you another movie she was in, but I love her. My buddy Les Sinclair and I talked about The Green Mile on an earlier episode of the podcast. Okay, right. She played Tom Hanks' wife in that. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's one of those actresses that has quietly had quite a nice career. If you go on IMDb and you look her up, you'll probably be like, oh, yeah, I remember now. No, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's a great actress. So the movie written and directed by Cameron Crowe, I'm a big fan of his work. Listen. Not every one of his movies, but most of his movies. He wrote Fast Times Ridgemont High? He wrote it. Did not direct it? Did not direct it. No, no, it was Penelope Spheres? Uh, No, uh, Amy Heckerman. Amy Heckerman, I'm sorry. Yeah. But um, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of his. Mm -hmm. Um. Almost, Almost famous. famous. I mean, say anything. Yeah, I mean, it's he's awesome. I whatever he's doing, I get. He spent three and a half years writing the script for this movie. I think it went through a bunch of rewrites. You know, there were different people considered for the characters initially. Yeah, I was looking forward to talking about that. We have to do it right this second. No, we'll get to uh, that. We'll that, definitely get to that. That was really good. So, what, what other facts you got for me? Estimated budget of fifty million dollars. Fifty. That's five zero. Domestic gross one hundred fifty four million. Worldwide made two hundred seventy three point five million dollars. Now, this was the highest grossing R-rated film of 1996. It was Tom Cruise's fifth consecutive $100 million plus film, setting a new record at the time. And it also holds an interesting record, the record for the lowest gross by a number one film at the weekend box office, with just over $5.5 million in ticket sales. That happened in its seventh week of release after it received some additional buzz because of the Oscar nomination for Best Picture. We're talking about how much money this film made that it was a big blockbuster so I was in law school when this came out and I didn't see it originally when it was in its first run at the theaters in my little neighborhood where I lived in Bristol Rhode Island maybe half a block down the street from me was a $1.99 movie theater. The first time I went, everybody, like the locals, were walking in with pillows, and I realized now that the seats were so uncomfortable oh, that no. if you didn't bring a pillow. But I'm pretty sure, because I remember knowing it was there, and like I was so, like my first year of law school, I was so busy, and I remember seeing it, I think it was my second year of law school, when I actually had time to go to the movies, and uh, I remember being so excited to check out the $1.99 theater, which it was awesome. That's the movie I saw there, and I'm thinking all this big money they they talking about, and I paid two bucks to go see it. So in addition to the Best Picture nomination. It also received nods for Best Editing, Best Screenplay, and Best Actor for Tom Cruise's performance. Cuba Gooding Jr. won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar, and although Tom Cruise didn't win the Oscar, he did win a Golden Globe for his role in the movie. You know, this was an Oscar-worthy role. Oh, absolutely. For, For so many people. I actually have to say that this is probably, and I was thinking about this, 
probably one of my favorite Tom Cruise roles of all time. I love A Few Good Men. Mm -hmm. I like the character of Jerry Maguire better than Daniel Caffey. I think the reason I, I enjoy his performance and the character in this movie is because he's very vulnerable in this movie. Yeah, I'm surprised. You're right, because it was, it was putting a lot out there. I'm surprised he would mm -hmm. take a role like this. I think it was a smart move because, you know, it showed a different side of him. Now, this might be my favorite Tom Cruise movie. And, and honestly, I'm a fan of Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. but he's made a lot of movies that I did not like. And for you to say that, people who have listened to the podcast on a regular basis and, and have heard the other episodes we've done together know that you're pretty easy to please. You're a pretty I, I good am. audience. There was a time in my life where I thought every movie was the greatest movie I've ever seen because <laughs> something about, you know, taking a break, sitting in a movie theater, mm -hmm. relaxing, that's what makes a movie great. A bad movie is still better than a good day at work. You're sitting, relaxing, you're eating, you're having fun. So I have not seen a lot of movies that I did not like. And mm -hmm. I've not, I haven't walked out of a lot of movies. I don't think I've ever walked out of a Tom Cruise picture. He's a great actor. And I, I mean, I think when he sticks to his, I don't want to say risky business, but I almost look like what could the character of Risky Business grown up to be? He could have been Daniel Caffey. He could have been Jerry Maguire. See, that's interesting because I don't want to get too far off the track here, but I, I mean, I love Risky Business. That's a great movie. I mean, you know, that's tied to obviously memories of being younger when you first saw it. And wearing all tidy the right moves. Wearing tidy whities also. Well, yeah. All the Right Moves was another movie from around that same time. That was very good. So, I mean, Tom Cruise has done a lot of stuff. Rain Man, of course, uh, Born on the Fourth of July. I love movies. Jerry Maguire could really be a, the, the top of you know top ten of my all time favorite movies. He, it's, it's probably in my top ten. It's um, and depending again, on my mood. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, I I was you know it was one of these things watching it in anticipation of speaking with you again is. It was almost like familiar and warm and friendly. It was, mm -hmm. it was like seeing old friends in it. That's I know it sounds a little weird, but yeah. like no, th th those are characters you'd like to know what they're up to. Yeah, I was really looking forward to watching it again for the podcast. So yeah, I, and I really enjoyed seeing it. It's funny because Sue, she doesn't really like Tom Cruise. Ever since the whole thing where he criticized Brooke Shields for taking postpartum medication and all that, he's been on our shit list pretty much. And I totally get that because the whole Scientology thing, I think, makes a lot of people and uncomfortable. I, and I completely detach myself from it because, you know, if I look too deep under anything, you're going to be disappointed. Mm. I completely forgot about the Scientology. I forgot about the jumping on the couch with mm -hmm. Oprah. I forgot about criticizing Brooke Shields because I'm so focused on the movie. But you're right. Those are things that could turn a lot of people off. For what it's worth, um, I heard Jay Moore's podcast. He was interviewing... Kevin Pollack, who had worked with Tom Cruise on A Few Good Men. They were kind of trading Tom Cruise stories, and they both said he's a really great guy to be around. Can we just add, to kind of maybe sure. shifting gears for a second, Jay Moore was phenomenal in this, right? Oh, I loved him in this movie. Like, I don't know who could have played that better than him. There were other people considered, and we'll, we'll talk about okay. that. Cuba Gooding Jr. was incredible in this. Oh, so good. It, it makes so much sense that he won an Academy Award. So this story is, it's not a true story, but it is based on real people. Okay which I think is kind of interesting. They say that it's based on a real-life agent, Lee Steinberg, who actually has a cameo in the film, too. Um, at the end of the movie when, spoiler alert, when uh, Troy Aikman is... is right, right, when uh, Tidwell's being interviewed. Yeah, right? yeah. He plays Troy Aikman's agent, who I think he was actually his agent in real life, too, at the time. Okay, very cool. The inspiration for Bob Sugar's character is supposedly Agent Drew Rosenhaus and Steinberg's ex-partner, David Dunn. Dunn supposedly tried to lure away many of Steinberg's clients. So these people were, were based on real people, but they it, were probably dramatized It's kind of like um, an entourage. Ari Gold's character right. is uh, Ari Emanuel's. Right. Uh, so it's, uh, it makes sense. I mean, there's got to uh, be something to inspire you. Yeah, sure. This movie has just so many great scenes, great parts, great great secondary characters. Like, I love Todd Luiso, I think, is the actor's name. He plays, uh, is it Chad? 
Oh, the net, the, 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 the au pair. Yeah. Right, very good. We're going to learn about jazz. He, he was just a, a great, great character. It was really uh, so subtle, almost like Gunther from Friends. Yeah, we talked about him. Uh, Tim and I talked about him on the High Fidelity podcast because he was in that movie oh, too. Yeah. And he plays a very similar character, that very awkward kind of, you know, introvert sort of. You know, very, like almost like a stoner, but not. I have to also give it up to Regina King in this. Oh, fantastic! She was who, by the way, was actually pregnant during. Yes, I, and uh, she, and, and truthfully, because she was incapable of bullshit because she's pregnant. Right, <laughs> that's right. No, she was great. She was another one. I'm not saying that she had to get an Oscar for it, but that was a hell of a performance. I think I read somewhere they said that when he, um, Cuba Gooding Jr. is walking around his house and he peeks into his brother TP's room mm-hmm. and have the Janet Jackson poster up there. Yeah, and I guess Janet Jackson was up for the role also. Oh, interesting. Of, of his wife, and they said I think the two of them were in poetic justice together yes. Janet Jackson and Regina King and uh, Regina King beat her out for the role and again you know I don't know who could have been better and you know, I'm really into this TV show This Is Us okay and I kept a lot of people are I've never watched it's, it's outstanding I, that's what I it's hear it's great television but I kept thinking why do I know that term This Is Us why do I know that term This Is Us okay. and if you remember when they get the crappy offer and she's, mm-hmm. and she's talking to him what do I do and she says This Is Us mm-hmm. and you I'm, are a strong powerful black man yeah oh, and he was man he, he was. was but I'm saying but that was that was where I heard the term This Is Us from so be interesting if that because this is an influential movie in pop culture so, absolutely you know who knows maybe someone was inspired by that I, I think the whole dynamic of how he's trying to land Kush the hot shot Kid coming out of college as a rookie, and he's a big deal. And what an asshole Jeff Bridges uh, was, the father, uh, huh? Yeah, his word is strong as oak, right? Yeah, right. Your word is strong as oak. Yeah, when he says, yeah, you were walking around with that black fella. Right, and he was a racist. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, awful. He made it so easy to hate him. Yeah, I mean, but the whole thing that he really does care about Rod as a client. Right. Not just because he's his only client, but when he says, you know, oh, you're loving me now, aren't oh, you, Jerry? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I'm loving you. The Kush character was great and everything, but Jerry O'Connell played an asshole also. He yeah. was a little bit, oh, you know, surf or ski. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. You know, like I said, my only real experience with him as an actor was as the little fat kid in Stand By Me. Oh, yeah. And he, you know, he, he, and, he, and he grows up into this adult and he's in great shape. He looks like an athlete and he's playing a role that's completely different from what the kid was, this awkward kid. Now he's this, you know, this jock that's kind of arrogant and everything else. So that's... A good testament to his ability as an actor. And by the way, I've seen Jerry O'Connell in interviews. He's pretty dorky. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. He's very, you know, he seems like a pretty kind of awkward, silly guy. Let's talk about Renee Zellweger. Is that how you pronounce her name? Renee Zellweger, yeah. Zellweger. So she was incredible in this movie. Yeah, I mean, and also not the first choice. It was kind of a breakout role for her. She had done other stuff before this. Empire Records was a movie that she had done. Great and, movie. I like and, Empire Records a lot, actually. Yeah, and she'd done some other stuff, too. Um, but this was the movie that I think really kind of put her on the map. This, kind of, and this made her a star. This this A-listed her. I mean, she did. Absolutely. She she got a lot of roles after this. Without this, I'm sure she would have been Bridget Jones, all this other stuff. I right. Mean, but this this was a career-defining role of a lifetime. Oh, because, she, and she's great in the movie. And I think they said Winona Ryder was cast in it. When the script was written, she was the original person um, that it was written for. You know, as long as we're going to discuss some of the other people that were considered yeah. for roles. So, yeah. That's my uh, favorite part of the podcast, by the way. It's You know, not every movie has this information. But this one, there's a, there were a ton of people considered for all the different roles. So let's run down really quick. All right, God, I'm all ears. So Jamie Foxx auditioned for the Rod Tidwell role, and Damon Wayans was considered for the role as well, which I think is interesting because he played a football player in The Last Boy Scout. It's funny, too, because two guys who are known for being funny to play a comedic role, and they go with the guy who I don't think was known for being funny, no, who, who no. killed it. Oh, absolutely. Tom Hanks and Winona Ryder were the original actors that 
the roles of Jerry and Dorothy were written for. I could see why you would write this for Tom Hanks. This, this nice guy. This also could have been a, a stepping stone from Sleepless in Seattle. That, was, mm-hmm. that predated this, right? Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, yeah, I'm like by say, a couple, like two yeah, years. I want to say. I'm going to say that though, or um, you know, you got mail. Was, was, was yeah, yeah, yeah. But my, but my point is, is that he would be the right guy for that. It, I'm not, not know, saying for the movie, but if you were thinking about it at the like time, like the the sort of everyday guy. Boom, boom, it just seems like it would be a natural progression. I'm glad they didn't go with him. Because, I mean, you know, Tom Hanks could probably play anything in terms of his acting skill, but. Would he look the part? Would he, you know, because I think that the thing about Jerry Maguire, the role, there's a lot of layers to the role. But for the most part, I think he kind of has to look a little bit like a hot shot. And, you know, she's like the character of Dorothy is swooning over him. Right. Immediately. Even right, before right. she gets to know him and works with him and stuff. By the time the movie was made, Cameron Crowe didn't think that Hanks made sense anymore. Maybe because he would, didn't feel like he was young enough, whatever it was. And then Winona Ryder was still going to be possibly considered to play Dorothy. But when she read opposite Tom Cruise, it was more like a brother-sister vibe as opposed to, you know, any kind of romantic chemistry. You know, she's kooky, but she's awesome. Oh, I love Winona Ryder. Me too. Me Stranger too. Things, phenomenal. Big fan. So Alec Baldwin, Johnny Depp. Sean Penn, John Travolta, and Bruce Willis were all considered for the lead role. Can't see any of them. This one I thought was very interesting because I know you're a big fan of Nashville. Connie Britton. I noticed, I read about that. Almost, almost played Dorothy in this movie. She was, I mentioned that to my wife before also, and she didn't see it. But remember, this is a 20-year younger Connie Britton. After I read that, I Googled Connie Britton 1996 just to see what she looked like right, then right, and everything right. else. Because I really, I honestly am not that familiar with her work. I mean, I've seen her in a couple of things. I've never watched Friday Night Lights, which I hear is really good. Right, I've only I never watched, watched Nashville. Nashville's incredible. You know, she was in a movie, uh, she was part of an ensemble cast, This Is Where I Leave You. She was great in it. Great in that. Great in that. Great movie. But I don't really know a lot of her work, and I don't know what her history as an actress was in 1996. It could have been, she could have been as, I don't want to say a nobody, but as non-well-known as Renee Zellweger. Thank you. (laughs) Actually, it's funny because they said that that it was really close. I mean, it was like almost last minute that they gave the part to Zellweger. Boy, they knocked it out of the park with that. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you know, she's impossible to not like in this movie as far as I'm concerned. Well, who who else were they considering for her? For the role of Dorothy. When you say Dorothy, you mean Dorothy. Dorothy Boyd. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. That's okay. So some of the other actresses that were um, considered, Patricia Arquette. Cameron Diaz, Bridget Fonda, Nicole Kidman, Courtney Love, Molly Ringwald, and Uma Thurman were all considered for the role of Dorothy Boyd. What made the role of Dorothy Boyd, in my opinion, is the vulnerability Mm -hmm. of of the character. And I don't know how any of them would have played it off. The thing about Renee Zellweger, too, she's cute and sort of adorable. And some of the other actresses that I just mentioned are almost maybe too glamorous. What made her attractive and sexy and right. great in this was her vulnerability. And I don't know if you can go backwards on it because the other ones might have played up the sexuality. would have had to tone it down for this. And I think Connie Britton was also at that time totally like I, that. I, I, I could see Connie Britton and I'm a huge fan of her, but I could, right. I could see that. Interestingly, Jennifer Conley and Meg Ryan were offered the role of Avery, but both turned it down. Meg Ryan as Avery, I'm not seeing at all. See, and I, That's like and completely... I think, and I think Kelly Preston nailed it. She oh, was she great was great. In the role. But that's the thing. Again, Kelly Preston, that role, I think you have to be. Side boob also. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I mean, the, I think the character of Avery has to be this kind of strong. She punches him out. Yeah, 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 confident. 
the thing about Meg Ryan is like she had been in so many romantic comedies where she again was the vulnerable cute one I love Meg Ryan don't get me wrong but she's not a like a bombshell type and so I think that's what you needed for Avery. I love Kelly Preston I have a million great mm-hmm. great things to say about another her. Scientologist right, right but I have to say this and I'm gonna say it's good acting because her character was an asshole I mean, oh, absolutely. A ho- horrible, horrible human being. Yeah. Right? Which, you know, I, I, I made it up the mountain in this amount of time. I can make this work. I can make this work. Right. Who, yeah. said, who said anything about me being a loser, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have we talked about this movie without talking about Jonathan Lipnicki? Oh, my God. How, how have we even gotten this far on it? He's, I think in this movie, the right amount of like a really good kid actor and just cute. Oh, yeah. He was great. Did they say one of the scenes was it the let's go to the zoo thing? Was that completely ad-libbed? Yeah. they The first time that they're talking, when they're, you know, when he says, let's go to the zoo. Fucking zoo's <laughs> closed, right? Fucking zoo's closed, right? <laughs> you said fuck. <laughs> I won't tell. Right? Yeah, exactly. Gotta go. My mom's coming. Yeah. That's a great scene. But yeah, totally ad-libbed. Cameron Crowe wanted to, you know, kind of create a genuine feel for the scene. So he didn't write any dialogue. So, you know, they, what you're seeing is, is just kind of happening. No, it was a good. they also said that he came onto the set saying the human head weighs eight pounds, so they put it into the movie. Yeah, which I think is also great. It's unfortunate that his career didn't really explode after this either, right? I mean, it's... Uh, he did some stuff after this. He probably got some big money roles based upon this. So he well, probably, he, got, he got a couple of kid movies like Stuart Little and stuff. Right, the movie with the and vampire, then, like Vampire Dog or something. Yeah. I forgot he was in Stuart Little. That was a good you movie. You know, it's always a tough transition to be a high-profile kid actor. And then as you grow up and you kind of go through an awkward teenage phase, maybe. Look at Macaulay Culkin. He never really had a, a career as an adult. No, it's, it's unfortunate. You know? you watch Home Alone, I've been watching it with my kids like over the holidays. We yeah. watch it. It's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He, he was and great. he was a great little, you know, Uncle Buck he's great in. But yeah, so Jonathan Lipnicki, in fact, I read that he had a really rough go. He suffers from depression. He got ridiculed by classmates in middle school. How does it feel to be a has-been, that kind of stuff? And he was it's sensational terrible. in this movie, as good oh, as anybody else in the movie. Absolutely. Fantastic. And I felt that they filmed him at some very interesting angles also in the movie, which I thought was pretty cool. And the other good thing was he was the same height as Tom Cruise, which helped also. <laughs> That's funny. Actually, I'm wrong. He's probably a little taller. Oh, my God. I remember seeing an interview with Nicole Kidman after they split up. Right. And she said, oh, this is great. I can wear heels again. Because she yeah. never wore heels because she's a, she's taller than him. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I forgot they were married. That's right. Yeah. That was like, there was like the big couple, right? They were for a while, yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. It's okay. No problem. So uh, Show Me the Money and You Had Me at Hello are in the AFI's Top 100 Movie Quotes at numbers 25 and 52, respectively. So when Dorothy and Ray drop off Jerry at the airport and they see the family saying goodbye... The people that played the family were right. actually the stand-ins for Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, and Jonathan Lipnicki in the film. Right, you really you got you got to see Dorothy and Ray looking at that family like, ah, oh. yeah. It was it was sad. She when I mean, she gives that speech to her sister mm-hmm. about you know she was married and had a guy who didn't treat her so nice and he died. It was kind of right. sad. Like yeah, you know, and then she, she said that I've had three lovers in in four years. And uh, every one of them placed a distant second to a, a bath and a book. And what else did she say? She said that you know, everyone's being a man. I'm trying to raise a man. It mm-hmm. was just, it was just good. She's a good mom. Every, like the scene where he hugs Jerry and then he kisses Jerry and yeah. she gets all emotional. That's it. But it it, it, it says a lot to her because her head's in the right place. She cares about her son so much that I think part of it also was the way that he treated her son. You you saw oh yeah everything and also you know when he proposed to her. He, she says, is this real? And he looked at her and he looked at Ray. Mm-hmm. It was almost like 
the idea of being part of that family maybe was even more appealing to him than just being married to her. I thought that was one of the more unrealistic things about the movie, quite honestly. The married part. No, the fact that he's in love with the kid. Right. And he's all about the kid, but could take or leave her. He cares about her and he likes her, like right. she says. That's what I'm saying. You know, he likes me a lot, loves my kid, likes me a lot. That's why I think, in other words, them was more attractive to him than us. I just don't think there's a lot of guys that I think would be more excited about being a father figure to a young kid than, you know, figuring out if they're going to make a relationship with the woman work. Except the big thing with him was that he can't be alone and an instant family kind of means no, you're, you're needed true. and you're needy. But I, I just came up with that right now. So who yeah. knows? No, it's probably true. But I love I love the whole conversations that he has with Rod Tidwell, too. Oh, yeah. When, you know, so how's your marriage, Jerry? Yeah. You know, and, and he's like, you know, why are you here? You don't have to be here. I don't need you here. And you're my client. I care about you. Go home, Jerry. Yeah, you know, home. what he was putting out, Tidwell was needing. In other words, they're almost like magnets. Oh, they and, were. There was like he said, in your relationship, you're all heart, but right. you're a paycheck player. You go out there, you complain, you're all about showing me the money and all that stuff. You know, we started off saying that this was a chick flick. Mm -hmm. The story of Rod Tidwell's redemption and success mm -hmm. on its own was a great story also. Oh, absolutely. His family was great. Do you use the term chick flick or rom-com on well, this? Well, I, I say that jokingly. No, of course, of course. You know, because there's all this relationship, lovey-dovey stuff. And then there's football. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's really, how they got the guys to come out. But I think that's why this movie was so successful, because it was a great story from a guy's perspective. There's a lot of layers to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And listen, I'm not going to lie. I like a good romantic comedy. Me too. So it's... Uh, Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it was done very well. You know, I like this one. I like Notting Hill. Well, it's funny. As far as romantic comedies, I probably enjoy romantic comedies more than Sue does, for whatever reason. I think it's because Sue might be a tiny bit cynical. You know, she's always like, oh, that's bullshit. It never, that never really happens. It's, it's not real, whatever. She was saying at the end, I didn't believe him. I give him five years tops. And I said, I, I don't know. I disagree. I believe him too. That was genuine. That was sincere. My thought was this. Clearly, like you said, the two of them are like magnets. Rod has this great relationship with his wife and his family is everything to him. Right. And then professionally, he struggles. Jerry's the opposite. So they meet and they start working together and all of a sudden they kind of meet each other halfway. Like a yin and a yang to each yeah, other. Yeah, right. It's wonder twin powers. I mean, joking on that, but it really seemed like they were at their best when they were working together. Absolutely. And I said to Sue, the end, when he's watching Rod reach that pinnacle of his professional life, when all the reporters are around him and the cameras are firing off and he's being interviewed and he's crying on the phone with yeah, his wife. Yeah. It's at that moment that Jerry goes, oh my God, this means next to nothing to me right because i can't share it with dorothy tidwell's weak portion peaked now jerry is because he peaked jerry's professional peaked but he had oh he'd been at the top before right. and he needed like the magnet the opposite was right. now i gotta go fix my house that scene is amazing when he comes in at the end oh and it's fantastic speech. and you know did we talk about that the woman with the hat is cameron crow's mom we didn't but, right? I, but i'm glad you brought that up i think it's funny i like at the end when the girl's like i love this talking group you know they, uh, <laughs> but um that was amazing we live in a very cynical world mm -hmm. right? uh, tough competitors tough competitors yeah yeah i mean it's it's true though i mean look the older you get and the more you experience life, you start to realize more and more what's important. And at the end of the day, the people who have your back and that really genuinely love you and care about you and want the best for you, you got to grab onto those people. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to grab onto them. And admittedly, in the past, I have failed in that area of my life. But I'm so grateful that I found a woman that appreciates me warts and all. 
And believe me, there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of warts. I actually turned to her and not jokingly, I said, you know, you do complete me. And not in a corny way. Because in the movie, you know, that's, you know, maybe that's a line that people go, oh, brother, you know. But the reality is anything good that happens in my life would not have the same meaning if I couldn't share it with my wife. hundred percent. That's why we get married. That's why we do these things. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, you're fortunate and I'm fortunate. We both have great wives that mm -hmm. mean a lot to us and that we don't want to take any journey without them. Right. I think maybe if we talk about the term journey, this was Jerry Maguire's journey. He was born, he died, he was reborn and, mm -hmm. and he lived. I mean, it makes a lot of sense and it's a simple thing. He, his, the pinnacle of his career was not his career. Pinnacle of his career is when he met his wife. Yeah, when he realized how important she was. Oh, to yeah. Him. And you're right. This movie is multifaceted. There, mm -hmm. there really is. You look left, you look right, you look up, you look down. There's, a, there's another part of the story on it. Again, I think it's a journey. And I think he comes out the other end successful and happy. And I don't agree with Sue. I think five years later, they're doing well. And I think the reason this movie works so well is because it works on all those different levels. And because it's the journey of not just Jerry, but also Rod. Yep. And even some of the other characters, too. And also, it's a great happy ending. Who doesn't like a happy ending? I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I guess you know, I don't mean like a happy ending, but I mean, I, <laughs> you know, and those are air quotes. I'm just saying, right. you know, mm -hmm. and this is a movie where every piston is firing on it. Absolutely. There's, there's nothing I can say. I didn't like this actor. I didn't like this character from the biggest roles to the smallest roles. Everybody served a role in it. You know, whenever we talk about these movies, I always talk about, you know, does it still stand up? Mm -hmm. I like this movie as much as I did the first time, the second time, the 10th time. I'd like to watch it again after talking about it with you right yeah. now. Yeah, it's, it's a movie that I could go back to over and over again as well. No doubt about it. So in addition to many sports stars with cameos in this movie. I'm listening. There's a couple of really cool shots from different people. Eric Stoltz yep. has, a, has a quick thing at the bachelor party. Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains. Yeah, that was great, as man. As the FedEx guy. That was awesome. And the late, great Glenn Fry of the Eagles plays the Arizona Cardinals owner. Well, this has been fun, dude. This is one of the ones I enjoyed talking about the most since we've been doing this. And that's what's nice about the podcast. Mm -hmm. Besides coming over here and hanging out with you, mm -hmm. I get to look at a movie that I really liked. I, I don't you have an excuse to watch the movie. Yeah, right? I don't have a lot of time to watch movies. And this is almost like it's homework and I need to do it because I don't like to come <laughs> unprepared for anything. You say homework, but I hope it's not like a chore. There's no chore. If you're inviting me in here, I got to bring my A game. And you always do. And I appreciate that. You are my ambassador of Quan. Wow, thanks. I like how we segued into that. You like that? I am. That, that's really nice. Thanks, man. You're I've, I've never been any Anybody's ambassador quad before. <laughs> you know, I was too busy trying to shoplift the pooty. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to come in here, especially right from court when you're probably very tired. You're a busy guy. You got three young kids. So I always appreciate when you can make the time and come talk a movie with me. I appreciate it very much. And my wife appreciates it because she wants to get me out of the house. To, you, know, you gotta go do some stuff. Hang out with your friends. So this is always a great go-to because it's always fun, always a good time. It involves movies. It involves the state of New Jersey, which I like very much coming here. I'm glad to see you and Sue and it's good stuff. And this was a great movie. All right, Blazer. Well, thanks for coming in and I look forward to the next one. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Please remember to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts. Let us know if you have a favorite scene from the movie that we didn't talk about, or if you have any other comments, if you have any questions, or if you want to tell us we suck. We don't care. We'd love to hear from you. You can also email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Please follow me on Twitter at Jason Davis Voice. Please support the show by rating and commenting on iTunes. It's free. It'll just take you a couple of minutes, and hopefully you'll want to give us a five-star review. Remember... Check on Wednesdays for the latest episodes and go to jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast for all the details about how to get past episodes and all the different ways that you can stream and download the show. Show theme music by audionautics.com. And thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay, 
from kimsvoice.com. Show me the money. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.